The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. You're listening to the VPM Daily Newscast, the recap of today's top stories in Central Virginia. From the VPM Newsroom in Richmond, I'm Benjamin Dolly. Richmond City Council wants legislators from around the area to fight for more infrastructure project funding and enable another ballot initiative on bringing a casino to the city. But as Jad Khalil of VPM News reports, much of their focus will be on housing. Richmond's got a shortage of rental units. This fall, the vacancy rate was 1.7% in the city, according to the Census Bureau. Delegate Jeff Bourne is one area representative the city wants to advocate on housing issues once the legislative session starts next week. Each year, the, the city of Richmond has pushed and advocated for priorities that help them and other localities bring more affordable units online. State law constrains what Richmond can do to address this. Right now, localities don't have a lot of tools. Isabel McLean is a researcher with a nonprofit housing opportunities made equal. One tool they're pushing for are property tax relief programs for people who have been in their homes for a long time. Not only would it help decrease the burden of housing, it would I think it would be a really important tool to combat displacement. The legislative session starts January 11th. Jad Khalil, VPM News. Chesterfield County's Board of Supervisors has two new leaders. At its yearly organizational meeting Wednesday, the five-member board elected Matoga District Supervisor Kevin Carroll as chairperson and Bermuda District Supervisor Jim Ingle as vice chairperson. Both supervisors were elected in 2019 to replace retiring board members. Carroll, who's a retired Chesterfield police officer and still serves as a volunteer training instructor, was vice chair in 2020, and Ingle works at a local construction company. Each will hold their position through the end of the year. Union organizers say most grad students whose stipends were delayed by a University of Virginia filing error in December have been paid. Now they're watching the school's next steps. Patrick Larson with VPM News reports. The school assured grad workers they'd avoid future payment delays, though workers say the issue isn't new. Brooke Dinsmore is the chairperson of the United Campus Workers UVA chapter and a sociology PhD candidate. I know multiple people this has happened to. And it's never been acknowledged this way. The university has committed to reimbursing students for fees resulting from delayed payments and met with union reps Tuesday. They'd previously agreed to create a task force, which will include student representatives, to discuss the recent payment issues. Despite it all, Dinsmore says the union has been energized by the episode and is ready to refocus on fair wages. Because it really shows that when we come together collectively, that we do have the power for the institution to listen and respond. UVA has previously committed to raising the minimum stipend for doctoral students to $30,000 yearly. The union says a living wage in Charlottesville is closer to $38,000. Patrick Larson, VPM News. Virginia's community college system has hired its next chancellor. The State Board for Community Colleges announced David Doré will join VCCS on April 1st to oversee the 23-school system. He'll succeed Interim Chancellor Sharon Morrissey, who's been in the role since June. 
Dore, an educator with 27 years' experience at community colleges, said, quote, this is both a challenging and exciting time for higher education. As redevelopment of Virginia Center Commons continues in Henrico County, a plan for a new mixed-use district could add hundreds of homes to the area. The local Sour Properties aims to rezone about 90 acres to build 780 apartments, townhomes, and condos, according to Richmond BizSense. A sports complex is already being constructed in the area, and plans are in the works for other mixed-use development, as well as hotels and retail. The Henrico Planning Commission will consider Sour's rezoning proposal later in January. Religious scholar and former conservative evangelical Bradley Onishi says the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol two years ago today was not an anomaly. In his new book, Preparing for War, the Extremist History of White Christian Nationalism and What Comes Next, Onishi maps the origins of the revolt, which at least one of Virginia's elected officials attended. Onishi recently spoke with VPM Morning Edition host Phil Lyles. You said you could have been there on January 6th. What kept you from being there? Well, when I converted in the, in the 1990s, I was a very zealous uh, young man. I, I went from somebody who was sneaking behind movie theaters and uh, you know doing teenage things to standing in front of the movie theater and asking people if they uh, knew about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But you know the, the culture that I was part of in the 1990s was not one in which, uh, at that point, you had heard about the call to overturn elections or to demonize your political enemies. You know, those were times when we were told that we had to prepare for culture wars, where we had to prepare for uh, battles uh, along the lines of sexual ethics or, uh, or, or believing in God, not those of insurrection. When I watched January 6th, I, I wondered to myself, if I had converted in 2019, as a 15-year-old, as an 18-year-old, and the men in my church who I looked up to not only taught me the Bible, but they encouraged me that any God-fearing patriot would do anything they could to stand up to the demonic forces that had stolen the election. I can very much see myself thinking, well, the the logical outcome is that I should be in Washington, D.C., fighting the good fight. You say in the book that January 6th was a logical outcome to the white evangelical subcultures uh, preparation for war. Can you explain that a little bit? You know, since the 1960s, uh, many white Christians, including evangelicals and Catholics, have felt like the country has been lost. It's been given over to religious minorities, racial minorities, uh, queer people, and so on. And so they've been talking about extremism and taking back their country. Uh, since then, it has not always risen to the point of an attempted coup or physical violence, but uh, that event, in my mind, was uh, part of that history. And how do these white Christian evangelicals balance violence of January 6th and their faith? You know, for many of them, uh, violence is, is part and parcel of their faith, which may sound strange to the uninitiated, but uh, for instance, uh, the night before January 6th, there was what was called the Jericho March, which is uh, which was billed as a prayer rally for uh, Trump supporters and those who love the nation. And, you know, the Jericho story in the Bible is one where the Israelites march around the city of Jericho, and God miraculously uh, brings down the walls after seven uh, circles around the city. What's not usually told is that once that happens, the Israelites go into the city and they slaughter uh, every man, woman, child, and animal. Well, if you have a Jericho march, 
you're not only telling me that you're having a prayer rally, hoping that you have a chance to go in and annihilate your enemies. And so when you think of the biblical uh, interpretation in that way, violence is not far from uh, religious practice. So we're not at the end of this war yet. In my mind, I think that we're, uh, we're very much at the beginning. Uh, it's easy to conceive of civil war as North versus South, as uh, a situation where there's a Mason-Dixon line and two forces are fighting over territory in, in one grand conflict. I think we have small fires all around us that are signaling what's happening, and they tell you that this is far from over. This has been the VPM Daily Newscast. Some of these stories may have changed since the newscast was recorded. You can stay connected to what matters by heading to vpm.org news or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyVPM. VPM. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.